Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Rich Wagner, Chief Executive of Cash Plus. Rich, hello. Hello there. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? I think it's someone who actually evokes a a passion about what they do and is able to translate that passion into a team of individuals uh, with a common goal and a common vision to uh, deliver um, to the country a product uh, or service uh, that's uh, um, exciting to be a part of. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Probably down to earth, um, someone that uh, looks uh, to empower individuals and hopefully share the same excitement and enthusiasm around the products and services that we provide to our SMEs and consumers. Now, how do you go about empowering your workforce? I think uh, providing a clear purpose in terms of what we're trying to get done. And we revolve ourselves around three key strategic uh, intents and strategic themes in the company. Um, uh, basically, they are you know, building a bank that customers love, building sustainable and great products for our customers, and hopefully earning an outstanding uh, reputation along the way. Galvanizing ourselves around those, I think, gives people a ethos of delivering wherever they are within the functional areas of the business, uh, something to hold themselves to and accountable to. Now, let's uh, wind back the years a bit. Uh, when you were first starting in your career, was there a particular influence on you who made you the leader you are today? Yeah, I think uh, certainly that open and transparent uh, and honest uh, view. Um, I, I do recall um, as when you're young and uh, uh, inexperienced, you do make mistakes. And I remember a really big mistake I, I made at, at my first uh, uh, senior job in, in, a, in a bank. And I remember having to go into my boss's boss and explain uh, the situation, what was wrong. And uh, what I found quite admirable, um, my boss, uh, basically took full accountability of uh, the mistake. It was She took it as her mistake, and she said that I didn't properly tra- train Rich in this particular area, and that was the result of why he made the mistake. It wasn't me. And the fact that she took that accountability was something that has always resonated with me for the last 30 years, that uh, you know, when, you're in, when you're in managerial spots, you got to give credit, uh, and when there's mistakes, you got to own up uh, and take the, uh, uh, take the blame uh, so that people can learn from it, feel comfortable learning from mistakes, and uh, make themselves better for it. So the essence of leadership, to paraphrase Harry Truman, is the buck stops here. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, let's talk about uh, young people entering your field. What advice would you give a young secondary stu- school student who is looking to make a career like your own? Yeah, I think the c- critical thing, and I actually do this uh, with uh, uh, students uh, in the UK because I think uh, they're going to be our next great leaders uh, uh, doing the stuff that I'm doing now. But I think, uh, as Mark Twain actually said, find something that you love to do and you'll never have to work a day in your life. And in that regard, you've got to find an interest, a passion. And I know it sounds strange, but I do have a passion in banking and payments and making things in the banking industry better for the end users of the product. And I think if people can find that and and, uh, rally behind uh, something they love to do, then uh, success is uh, uh, is a natural outcome as a result. Now, 
when you are mentoring uh, young people, what's the most difficult uh, behavior that you have to modify in them? Well, I think most of them believe that they can be the CEO on day one after they get out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the life experiences are also an important aspect of building a, uh, a character that helps uh, pre- create uh, credibility when you're leading others. And I think people need to realize that you got to start uh, at the very bottom um, and learn from, from those. I mean, my, my experience is uh, my first job in banking was a customer service advisor at Bank of America in the U.S. And I will never forget that experience. It was one of the best jobs I ever had and created the foundation for the uh, customer centricity that I have today uh, acting as CEO of Cash Plus. So it's learning how to be uh, a humble uh, person before you be- before you become a leader. Yeah, and I, I, and I think you always, even when you're a leader, I think uh, taking a more a direct, uh, a dictatorial or egotistical view uh, of your role actually doesn't ingratiate uh, people willing to work long hours uh, for you. If you're part of the team mm-hmm. as opposed to looking like you're leading the team sometimes um, uh, helps uh, them realize that um, you're in it with them to basically make the best outcome, best product uh, for the end consumer or uh, business that you're trying to serve. Absolutely. Well, let's take this onto a much larger stage. If I pressed you to identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, I know it's a difficult one. <laughs> that is, when you think about business, uh, uh, there, there are great people in business and then there's great people just in, in the world. I mean, you think about uh, in, in, in business, I was always a uh, aspired uh, to the guys like uh, Steve Jobs, uh, mm-hmm. more so from his, their, their, their passion and the fact that they just had a innate desire to deliver something completely different in that whole concept of thinking differently. Uh, uh, one of Apple's models I thought was always very, uh, very well received uh, within the industry and among consumers and, you know, basically created a, uh, a trillion dollar company as a result. Um, in terms of society, there's no question you look at somebody like uh, Nelson Mandela, Mandela uh, as someone that I always aspired to, the, the uh, challenges that he experienced throughout his career and to, to end up where he uh, has become a martyr for not just South Africa, but for the world uh, to emulate uh, is also somebody I've tremendously respected over my career. Now, those are two very different types of leaders. How do you reconcile both of their different leadership strategies uh, into one that you can take an example from? Well, I think different people need that, uh, that the differences that both uh, a Steve Jobs or an Nelson Mandela has. Some people do need that very specific, direct uh, managerial uh, direction. That you do this, get this done, do it this way, and um, make sure it's done by X time. That would be a Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela uh, rallied around a vision, ra- rallied a- around a-, a strong purpose, and thus you had a lot of uh, inspirational people rally around him who could actually understand and want to be part of his overall ethos of what he was trying to do, not mm-hmm. specifically what he was trying to do, but what he was trying to do for the country. And I think people, uh, different people, even within our organizations, uh, commercial organizations anywhere, actually do resonate to different management styles. And, you, and I think a great leader really understands which method works best with the individual you're trying to motivate, stimulate, and be productive within the organization. 
Now, if you had a chance to speak to yourself a decade ago, what advice would you give yourself in terms of what leadership qualities to adopt and which ones to throw by the wayside? Well, I think uh, the one thing I've learned uh, uh, in the maturity of uh, being a leader and a uh, CEO is uh, managing your emotions. Um, you're going to have some really great days and exciting days, and you're going to have some really uh, disappointing and frustrating days that will uh, make you mad. Uh, certainly 10 years ago, I would say uh, on the days that were negative, um, my mental uh, capacity to control my anger, my frustration uh, was far less uh, than I hope it is today, uh, where uh, certainly issues within the organization um, are even more extreme. Uh, there are more highs uh, and there are more lows, and the degrees of those are highs and lows are definitely more as the company grows. And I think having the emotional uh, maturity is something that uh, I grew in uh, over the last 10 years as a CEO. So uh, I, I would say that would be uh, control your emotions uh, uh, and manage your emotions and be more intellectual about the emotions that you have uh, while you're actually in um, uh, in the role of a CEO and while you're surrounded by individuals who are looking to you to provide a strong example to them. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does next 12 months have in store for Cash Plus? Well, certainly Cash Plus is looking to be the challenger bank in the UK, specializing services to small businesses. And so we are taking a 15-year history and turning that into a banking proposition that we believe will be second to none. That's fantastic to hear, Rich, and I do hope that you come back on the show at some point in the near future to uh, let us in uh, to your insights even further. Rich, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. Thank you again. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was Rich Wagner, Chief Executive of Cash Plus. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was 
simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he 
it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at times you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and so I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, 
a squad that were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. He got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can think, tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard of somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh, if you laugh If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other 
people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And, and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader, um, well, a, a play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to. Uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even, uh, certainly as a team, if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the, 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the, um, time. Um, looking um, back 
through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody... And going back to an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind in this, uh, single mind in this dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. 
This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.